On today's Ding and Corners, we are talking about a torrid, torrid start to the offseason that has now come to a grinding halt. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's Ding and Corners. Welcome, everyone, to Dang and Corners, a baseball podcast powered by Slabstocks. I'm your host, Nate, and we've had some good moves. We've had some really, really, really big moves in the offseason. But the big news coming out this morning, today is Thursday, 12-2, December 2nd. This morning, the MLB owners put a lockout on the MLB. There are no signings. There are no trades. Players cannot go to their team facilities to work out or train or uh, rehab. Nothing like that will be happening for the foreseeable future because the owners have enacted a lockout. The CBA, the collective bargaining agreement, is done, and they did not come to terms on a new collective bargaining agreement. Um, because of that, you know, you're not going to be seeing news during the offseason. Baseball will be far from your mind for the next couple months, presumably. I'm sure this will get done at some point, but we will talk about that more later. In the meantime, we have a bunch of signings that happened in the lead up to the CBA being done. Uh, you know, lesser name guys like Eduardo Escobar signing with the Mets, Starling Marte signing with the Mets, which is not a lesser name guy. He's a big name guy. Uh, Max Scherzer signing with the Mets. You know, Scherzer obviously got a huge deal. Cody Bellinger, or Cody Bellinger, Corey Seager, and Marcus Simeon signing with the Rangers, which was gigantic because that was $500 million between the two of those guys for 17 years. You had uh, Robbie Ray signing with the Mariners for five years and like $110 million. Um, so big, big deals all across the place. Jose Barrios signing an extension. Uh, and so we've had, we've had big deals, big deals. So let's talk about a few. And uh, see what we can find out here. All right, guys. So we are in a free agent frenzy. Or we were. We were. And some of the biggest moves. So we had Max Scherzer's $130 million, which we will talk about. Corey Seager's $325 million, which we will talk about. Javi Baez's $140 million, which we will talk about. We aren't going to talk about Marcus Simeon's $175 million for seven years with the Rangers. Now, obviously, it's a huge deal. He set the record for the amount of home runs for a second baseman in a season with 45 last year, maybe 46. Big-time player, good defender, huge get for the Rangers, very exciting. But he's not as young as these other guys or as big of a name as Max Scherzer, so we're not going to talk about him. Um, Rasiel Iglesias resigned with the Angels, one of the best closers in baseball, resigned with the Angels. That's nice for them. Um, Robbie Ray signing with the Mariners for five years, $110 million. It seems like a bit of an overpay. Robbie Ray went from a 6.6 ERA guy down to a 2.8 ERA guy. A really nice jump. He was amazing last year, but he did strand 90% of guys that he faced. And so that's uh, a little bit concerning. Kevin Gaussman signed a big deal, though I can't remember the numbers there um and so there's there's some big there's some big deals going on here but the three we want to talk about are the three we first talked about and that was max scherzer signed three years 130 million dollars with the mets uh 
A lot of people were upset about this deal. It comes out to $43.33 million a year. Now, that's huge money. That's by far the largest annual average value ever, and he is 37 years old. He's no spring chicken. That being said, Max Scherzer has not fallen off a cliff yet, and I don't expect him to fall off a cliff anytime soon. He is a stud. He is still an ace. He is still one of the best pitchers in baseball, a top five pitcher in all of baseball. And for $43 million, you know, you're not signing him to a 10-year deal. Of course you're not. So if you're going to sign him to a shorter-term deal, you have to up the value. That's what everyone does. Short-term deal for a solid player, higher price. Long-term deal, lower price, but the player guarantees more money throughout the rest of their career. And so Scherzer, obviously 37, you're not going to sign him to a long-term deal, so you're going to sign him to a short-term deal, which is why they gave him three years and $43 million a year. Now, a lot of people were upset. But hear me out. The Mets wanted an ace to pair with Jacob DeGrom. Now, Jacob DeGrom's been injury in injury concern, and Max Scherzer's coming off of a dead arm this past playoffs and only pitched four innings a game in the playoffs. Now, I remind you, we're coming off of COVID. No matter that he's 37, we're coming off of COVID. He didn't have his full complement of innings in 2020. And now he's trying to ramp back up and throwing more innings than he did the previous year. Doesn't matter who you are. It's going to take its toll on you. And it took its toll on him. I mean, it took its toll on Walker Bueller at the end of the year. It took its toll on Zach Wheeler at the end of the year. It took its toll on Max Scherzer. He had a bit of a dead arm. It's nothing to be concerned about. If it was a problem, the Mets wouldn't have passed his physical. So not a deal. Not a big deal there. So then if you're the Mets and you want an ace to pair with Jacob deGrom, what are you going to do? Now, you could have gone one of two ways. You could have probably resigned Marcus Stroman. I don't I didn't see the numbers on his Cubs deal. I don't know if they came out, but he is signing with the Cubs, Marcus Stroman is. Um you could have probably resigned Marcus Stroman and a uh Kevin Gaussman or a Robbie Ray and gone two for one on this Max Scherzer deal. But there's no guarantee that those guys are going to play as well as they did last year. So you might just be signing a couple of number three guys and then have your ace. Whereas with Max Scherzer, you have your ace in DeGrom and you have your ace in Max Scherzer. And money is not a thing for the Mets. The Mets don't care about the thing. Their owner, Robert Cohen, doesn't care about money. He's got plenty of it. And so $43 million to guarantee yourself an ace and you don't have to go past the age of 40, you're going to do that. You're going to do that all day long, especially when money doesn't matter. And now you can line up Jacob deGrom, Max Scherzer against any top two rotation in the league heading into the playoffs if you make it there, and uh, you're in really good shape. And I expect them to. They signed Eduardo Escobar. They signed Mark Canna, who a lot of people would be like, Mark Canna, high on base, first baseman, outfielder, um, has some pop. Just two solid players in Eduardo Escobar and Marcana. You add Sterling Marte, who's an extremely good center fielder, uh, gets on base, gets steals, has pop. You add Sterling Marte to that mix, and now you add Max Scherzer. You've got David Fletcher. Um, you've got Pete Alonzo. You've got Dominic Smith. And you've got Francisco Lindor, obviously. And all of a sudden, this team looks really good. The one thing they were kind of lacking was that second ace, and now they have it. You have a good offense, you've got good defenders all over the place, and you can add Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom at the top of your rotation, have them go seven innings each, eight innings each of zero-run baseball in the playoffs. That's going to be huge, 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 huge. So the three years, $130 million, 
a perfectly fine deal for the Mets. I would do it too if I were them. I would rather have Scherzer than paying two guys $21.5 million a year. I'd rather have one Scherzer for sure. Uh, just a lot more certainty there than a Stroman and a Robbie Ray. Um, so that was big. And for his card prices, November 30th, an auction happened, $710. That is actually quite a bit up from what it previously was like a week before. And so these cards are already on the move. I will say that I do think these can move higher. If Max Scherzer comes in and leads the Mets to the playoffs and does really well, they can go higher. If he happens to lead them to a World Series, even higher. Uh, this isn't the case where this guy is on his like fourth team. He played for, he was drafted by the Diamondbacks, played for the Tigers, played for the Nationals, played for the Dodgers. So that's five teams. And now he's going to be playing for <clears throat> the Mets, which is a six team, quote unquote, uh, Diamondbacks, obviously. But I don't think that's going to matter because Mets fans, if he leads them to a World Series, will be ecstatic. And prices can go up, especially because he is an all-time great, a Hall of Famer through and through. And so Max Scherzer is the first free agent deal that I love, and I do think there is some room on his card prices. Maybe wait a little bit on buying them because of this lockout. People aren't going to be paying a ton of attention to baseball the rest of the December and probably January. But come February, I expect the lockout to end. And then, you know, if you can buy in between those December and January months, you might be able to get cheaper than 710. Number two on the list is Corey Seager. He obviously signed with the Rangers for 10 years and $325 million. Now, that is a big-time contract, a big-time contract. But he has been amazing every year he's played. So let's run through his stats a little bit here. He had a 986 OPS his first year, 27 games. An 877 OPS in 157 games. A 854 OPS in 145 games. We'll count out 2018 because he only played 26 games. Then a 817 OPS in 2019, 134 games, a 943 OPS in 52 games last year, and a 915 OPS in 95 games this year. He has been really good. He's got pop out of shortstop. He's got decent defense. Um, he gets on base. You know, he, 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 he is really good. He is really good, and he is young. He is only 27. And he will be 27 for like the first month of the season next year, entering his age 28 season. So you get him, you get him for the age 28 through 37. Um, I'm okay with that. The big issue here is that again, he only played 26 games in 2018, 134 in 2019, 52 missed eight in 2020, and then 95 in 2021, which means he missed 67 games in 2021, 8 in 2022, and 28 in 2019, along with 136 in 2018. He's missed a ton of games in the last couple of years. And so this is a big risk for the Rangers. $32.5 million a year for a 28-year-old shortstop that is already missing a ton of games. He's probably going to miss games in his later 30s, right? A ton of games. That being said, if you are the Rangers and you want to make a big splash and get a star, you are going to go after the cream of the crop. Now, Carlos Correa would have probably been a better option, but I don't know the price that it would cost to get Carlos Correa. So you go after Corey Seager. Now, it's a risk. It is a risk, but 
considering he just ran back-to-back seasons of 900-plus OPSs out of shortstop, you take that risk. You hope he can stay healthy. And if he's running 900-plus OPSs, along with Marcus Simeon playing at second base, hopefully running 850 to 900 OPSs, and you add those guys in with the Josh Jungs of the world, the Sam Huffs, anybody like that, you're in good shape. The Rangers pitching is has been good lately. Uh, they're, they're at least in the minors, their pitching has been really good. And so you add really good pitching to a couple of foundational pieces and then a couple of prospects, and you get some you know utility guys. The, the random dude that didn't do well the year before, you sign him for four million, he runs two win above replacement, right? Um, and uh, you can field a really good team like that. Uh, that being said. His prices on cards, you're looking at a PSA 10 here, December 1st, $71 on auction. I do find this interesting. So Corey Seager's prices have always been lower than you'd expect for a player of his caliber on a team, the caliber of the Los Angeles Dodgers. They've always been lower. And most Dodger cards are lower. I think it's a, it's just them having way too many players. Way too many players. And so... Way too many good players, anyways, to dist- they detract from each other. And so now he's going to the Rangers, where he is going to be the face of the franchise. There's no, is Cody Bellinger the face? Is Clayton Kershaw the face? Is Corey Seager the face? Is, you know, Justin Turner the face? No. Corey Seager is the face of the Rangers franchise. And I expect his prices to be able to go up a little bit because of that fact. Now, it's not as good of a team. It's not as glorious of a team. But a face of a franchise is a face of a franchise. You couldn't say that Corey Seager is the face of the Dodgers franchise. You can firmly say that Corey Seager is the face of the Rangers franchise. And so for that reason, $71 feels like a pretty good price for a player of his caliber. If he happens to be able to put together a full season, a full healthy season. And this is the Byron Buxton issue, which also Byron Buxton signed a seven-year, $100 million extension, which is interesting in and of itself. And I'll cover that in two seconds because I do want to talk about it. But uh, he hasn't stayed healthy. Buxton hasn't stayed healthy. People don't want to invest in people that don't stay healthy. If he can stay healthy and be the face of the Rangers, I expect this price to go up. But it's a big if. It's a really big if. And for that reason, if you want to put your money in in other things, do that before you put your money into Corey Seager because you just can't trust it. There is massive upside here, though. Uh, As for Byron Buxton, I did find that, and this has nothing to do with cards. So if you just want to fast forward a little bit until the next slide comes up, do your thing. Uh, Byron Buxton's seven-year, $100 million deal was super interesting to me because it both seemed like an underpay and an overpay at the same time. Underpay for Buxton because his talent is insane, and when he's healthy, he's amazing. And $15 million a year is not what his talent level should get. That being said, on the Twins side, it might be an overpay because he hasn't played a ton of games in a year, and he hasn't played over 100 games in like six years or something like that in a season. And so he's always injured. So the Twins are looking at it like, hey, if you play 90 games, we'll give you $15 million because that's what those 90 games are worth. If he was healthy, he'd get 30 plus million, but he's not. So he's getting half of that. And they're expecting him to play half a healthy season and they get he gets $15 million out of the deal. Now, if he is healthy, there are escalators in his deal for plate appearances and also for MVP award finishes that can up the amount of money he makes per year every single year. And so that's where it gets super interesting. 
if they only get 90 games out of him, he gets his 15 million. That's what they're expecting. And both sides are happy. He gets guaranteed money despite being injured. And the twins get a guaranteed 90 good games. If he plays better than that, the twins are happy because he's healthy and helping him win. And he's happy because he's getting more money. So it's just a very fascinating deal where it's really, you get a baseline salary, which is commiserate to his talent level. If he's playing half a year, And then if he plays full seasons, he can up that salary significantly, which would make both parties happy. So I love the deal for Byron Buxton. I love the deal for the Twins. Seems like a pretty good deal on both sides. Now, our last and final contract we want to talk about is Javier Baez. And you'll see it there. He signed for six years and $140 million with the Tigers. Now, scared money doesn't make money, and the Tigers were not scared. They are ready to start competing. They've got the Matt Mannings and the Tari Scooballs and the Casey Mises of the world. They've got Spencer Torkelson, um, Akil Badu, a couple other young guys. Now they're ready to start adding salary. And they've got Miguel Cabrera's contract coming off the books in a couple years. And so with that, you know, they want they want cornerstone pieces that they can pay and have grow with their team. Javier Baez is one of them. He's going to be 29 next year and uh, he can be, you know, through age 35, something like that. That being said, and I, I like it because the Tigers were not a winning team and they went out and spent big money to get a shortstop in six years, $140 million to get a shortstop in that they can grow with. And I like that. He's a good defensive shortstop. He has amazing tag skills around second base. Unbelievable, really. He's got power and he's got speed. Just last year, he hit 31 home runs and had 18 stolen bases. Uh, A couple years ago in 2018, he had 34 home runs and 21 stolen bases. Like that power-speed combo with that defense out of shortstop is a really nice get for the Tigers. Now, the concern is, His strikeout percentage has been trending the wrong way. 2018, he struck out 25.9% of the time. 2019, he struck out 27.8% of the time. 2020, he struck out 31.9% of the time. In 2021, he struck out 33.6% of the time while also running a high BABIP of 352. Now, his career average is 335, so, you know, it's not going to drop that much. But if it drops a little bit, you know, he goes from a one, a 265, 319 on base and 494 slugging with a 116 WRC plus down to, I don't know, 112, 111 WRC plus if he drops down to his career average of 335, baby, which is a less valuable player. You add into that that he's now playing in Comerica Park, Tiger Stadium, huge, huge field, huge field. Compared to where he played at before in Wrigley, a little bandbox of a park where you can hit easy home runs uh, as long as the wind's not blowing in. And all of a sudden, that power is probably not going to play up as much, one would assume. And so you run into the run into the problem that some of those home runs that he hit are probably going to end up as long fly ball outs, which is a concern because he's trending in the wrong direction for strikeouts. He had way too high of a BABIP last year, and some of his power is going to disappear because of Comerica. There's some big risks there. Now, six years, $140 million isn't that drastic of a deal where a team like the Tigers can't bank on his defense being there for a while and get whatever de- offense you get and whatever. But for me, I would rather spend like another... 
hundred million and sign Carlos Correa. Hundred million in four more years and sign Carlos Correa instead of Javi Baez. But that's just me. Um, as for the as for the Tigers, it is what it is. It is what it is. You got to sign somebody. You want to show your team that you believe in them, that you believe in the young pitching. And Javi Baez is still a fine player. Even if the offense isn't as good, he's still probably a three to four win player. Maybe a little bit less on really down years, but still probably in that three to four win player range. And so it's probably fine, but it is a risk. It is a big risk. Now for his card prices, we've got his tops update or tops regular PSA 10 year. November 30th, a buy it now went for $66. The fact that a Javi Baez is around the same price as a Corey Seager blows my mind. Absolutely blows my mind. Corey Seager is a significantly better player than Javi Baez. Um, He is also younger than Javi Baez. And so for me, I wouldn't spend $66 on Javi Baez right now. I think there's just too much downside. Even though he's going to be the face of the Tigers, I don't expect that to last long either with Spencer Torkelson coming up. I do think Spencer Torkelson will be the face of the Tigers, but in the meantime, he will be the face of the Tigers. It's still probably not worth it to me. There's too much downside here. The strikeout rate trending in the wrong direction, him not taking a ton of walks him playing in a big park defense uh, regressing. Usually when you get into your thirties, all those things adding up speed regressing, when you get into your thirties, all of those things adding up into a guy that, probably is not going to play as well as he has in the past for the Tigers. Still probably a fine deal, but iffy at best. And those are the only free agents I want to talk about. I think these are the guys whose cards could move one way or the other. The Marcus Simeons, the Robbie Rays of the world, nobody's really going to buy their cards. Kevin Gaussman, um, Byron Buxton, maybe if he stays healthy. But again, he hasn't stayed healthy, so nobody really cares. And he wasn't free agent. It was a contract extension. So, these are the three guys that I think before the lockout happened were the most important. Speaking of the lockout, this is what we're going to end our our day on here. The lockout is interesting. This hasn't happened in a while. 1994, the player strike. I think 1984, there was a lockout. I think. I could be wrong. Um, but this hasn't happened in a while. Now, don't expect the lockout to go all offseason because... The players are going to want to get their money, and the owners are not going to want to not get money, if that makes sense. Like, they want games to be played so that they can make their money. If they're not making money, then what's the point of owning an MLB franchise? And the players, if you're not playing baseball, you don't have a job and you're not making money, which is fine for some guys. The Max Scherzer's of the world that just got off a $210 million contract, he's got money for days. But for some of those guys, some of those relievers that have played a third of a season and walked home with like $60,000. But before that, or a third of a season would actually be like almost $200,000, but you get my point taxes after all that stuff. Um, They're going to want to play. They're going to want to play. The owners are going to want to play. So this will get figured out, but, and I'm not, I'm not going to talk about the lockout. I don't know the MLB players association, their stance or anybody else's stance. I'm not a lawyer, that being said, there are a few things that need to get changed. Um, young players only making $500,000 or almost $600,000 major league minimum for the first three years. That's got to change. Uh, these players are getting used up the most, and it is the like world's cheapest, uh, their minimum salary. NHL pays their minimum salary more, NBA, NFL, uh, probably even MLS for Pete's sake. I don't know. 
But 500,000 is not enough for the fact that the major league career is like three years. The average major league career is like three to four years long to get only a million and a half out of that, which seems like a ton to us. And it is compared to billionaire owners. It's not enough. And so the players should get more money. That's where I stand. There's a couple other things, you know, the six years of free agency teams being able to hold the player down and wait to get a seventh year, you know, that's probably got to be fixed, all this type of stuff. So there's a couple things there. I don't really want to get into it. What I do want to get into is your buying strategies during the lockout. So with the lockout, there's going to be a lack of baseball information. And it's going to happen for months. There's not going to be any baseball information happening for December and January. And baseball prices already drop in the offseason. But that's with free agent signing coming here, trade coming there, where it keeps the hot stove hot for a while and gets people at least interested for a day or two in whoever their team signed or traded for. Now you get to a point where there is none of that happening and we're in the off season. And now there's going to be like literally no interest. People are just going to completely shift their attention because there's nothing to, there's nothing to learn. There's nothing new to find out. And so people are going to shift their interest to basketball and football and soccer and hockey and whatever else and there should be deals to be had in this lockout like people just aren't going to be paying that much attention if they're just not if it's not coming past their brainwaves if they're not seeing it on twitter they're probably not thinking about it and so there will be deals to be had on certain players during this lockout and so keep track of that also i would advise you if you are able and you don't need to sell cards do not sell cards during this lockout uh, off season is a bad time to sell cards anyways, but especially during this lockout, I would advise not selling cards and not just like the Vlad Guerrero juniors and the Fernando Tatisas. But if you've got like a $10 jazz chisel and Bowman Chrome first, don't sell that either because it'll probably go for like four bucks to three bucks. And you can probably get 10 bucks by the time the season starts again next year. So whatever you do, if you can afford it, do not sell your cards, hold on to those bad boys and wait for this lockout to end. It will end. There will be baseball played next year because everyone wants their money. And the only way nobody gets their money is if there's no baseball being played. And I don't think anybody's going to let that happen. But there will be like a two-month stretch where you're not going to hear about any baseball news. And it stinks. But we will get through it. And uh, I'll see you on the other side. So that's what I got on the lockout. Uh, One last thing for you guys today. One last thing. This should be the last of a Dingin' Corners format like this. We will still have Dingin' Corners, but we are changing up the format. So I want to thank you guys for a good, like, three years of Dingin' Corners videos like this, where it's me talking to you guys. Um, The format will be changing. I believe it will be changing this upcoming week. I could be wrong. Maybe you'll see me next week like this. But uh, I want to thank you guys for three years of just listening to me. We should be having a changed format here coming up, but you will find out more about that hopefully next week. Thank you guys for listening to Dinging Corners today, and I will talk to you guys again next time.